I ran into somebody, Wendy and I were out eating lunch, and um, when we walked in the restaurant, they, they called us over, you know, there's two women that, um, the older women in our lives that uh, just love them to death, they're awesome people. If I said their name, you'd be like, oh yeah, but I'm not going to say their name. But anyway, we're talking, and one of them looked at me and said, so how's the church going? And I used to not know how to answer that, to be totally honest. I wasn't sure what to say, like if you say really good, that, are we bragging? If we say it's not that good, nobody wants to come. What do you say, like when somebody says, hey, how's the church going? So I've just started saying it's great, it's fantastic. Man, God's doing amazing things. And she said, um, she said some words to me after that, that I, I prayed God, never let me forget what she said. Never let me forget these words that came out of her mouth. She said, do you know what my husband calls your church? And I was like, oh, snap. <laughs> do I even want to continue this conversation, right? But I did. I said, no, ma'am, I don't. What does your husband call our church? She said, every time we drive downtown, every time we, every time we drive past your building, he turns to me and he says, look, honey, there's the what's God going to do next church. Listen, in, in the world and currency of church reputations, that's gold. That's gold. Not there's the big building church. Not there's where all the cool people go church. There's what's God going to do next church. Like we, we talked about it and stuff. We almost changed the name of the church to that. Now that What's God going? It's a long church sign, right? I'll <laughs> just call it gathering. It's shorter. Um, listen, here's the deal. The quickest way to lose that is to settle. And so what did we learn last week? We learned that moving is how God keeps us from settling, right? He doesn't want us to settle. So moving is how God keeps us from settling. And we learned last week that if, if we desire um, him, then if he moves, we'll move. And his presence becomes our preference. I thought about that this morning. Our worship has just been so intense the last couple of weeks. It's been so, so good. And I keep thinking this. You know, I, I, just, I remember being so in love with Wendy. I would do anything to spend time with Wendy. Anything. I can remember getting in my car because I would stay too late in, in Irmo, South Carolina, home of the Okra Strut. I would stay there too late on a, on, over the weekend and get up early Sunday morning and have to drive back to be in Albemarle in time to be at my church where I was youth pastoring. And I can remember getting in the car in Columbia early in the morning on Sundays and crying. Not because I was so in love with her, but like, what am I doing? I'm so tired. But it was just for just another night of, of supper with Wendy. And if we lose that, then people will not drive by our church and say, look, there's the what's God going to do next church. Those, oh, look, there's a church where God did something once a long time ago. So there's not a better way to end our time in this space than this morning talking about this. Like, what is life on the move? If, if God is moving, and he is, and we're following him because we don't want to settle, if this is moving day, then, then what is life on the move? What does that look like? And I've got this, this perfect story in John chapter 4. It's in the Bible. That's what we'll be. We're not going to read all of the first 42 verses. But what we're going to find is that Jesus has this encounter with a woman at a well. And it changes everything for her. I believe it can change things for us. I think we learn four things from it. Let me tell you this. Here's the big idea this morning. And then we'll talk it through. God moves people to people. He moves people to people. 
If we're on the move with God and we're not going to settle, and, and we've got to remember this. Man, God moves people to people. John chapter 4. Four observations about what it looks like to live a life on the move. Here's number one. You got blanks. You can fill them in. Following God means risking reputation. Everybody say always. 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 Following God means risking reputation. Now, we've been talking in in Luke, so you kind of know this this deal with Jesus and and the Pharisees, right? We're not throwing Pharisees under the bus. It's just there was tension between them. They were the religious leaders. Jesus was kind of new on the scene. They weren't really getting along. They had a different way of seeing things. Um, Jesus was kind of challenging what they had always believed. And so there's this tension, right? You ever felt tension in a relationship? Yeah, um, I don't know if you're an avoider or if you're a confronter, but, you know, usually a confronter is trying to confront the avoider, and so it kind of goes like this, right, you know? Um, but when there's tension, you can, you can kind of feel it. So we're, we're in John chapter 4, and, and what does it say? The Pharisees heard in verse 1 that Jesus was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. And he goes on to say, well, it's not really true. Jesus wasn't doing the baptizing. His disciples were. But anyway, at any rate, there was tension growing between the religious leaders and Jesus, and so what did Jesus do to make sure, like, in, in light of that, of that tension, what did Jesus do? It says that when he learned of this, he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now, he had to go through Samaria. So let me just explain this. Judea is down south. He's, he's going back to Galilee, which is up here. So if you've ever seen, like, a map in the back of your Bible, um, you've got... The, the Dead Sea's down here, then you got the Jordan River going up, and then you've got the Sea of Galilee up here. So he's down here, he's going up there, and he had to go through Samaria, which was right here. It was right on the way. What I want you to get is this. We're going to learn in this story that Jesus went to Samaria, which is somewhere that Jews never went. It was unheard of. And he talked to a woman at a well in Samaria. So if you were going to pick, if you were going to just pick, the religious leaders are a little upset with me right now. Who's the one person I could talk to that would kind of stoke that fire a little bit more? It's got to be a woman in Samaria. He's not doing it to be a jerk. I'm just letting you see that Jesus didn't kind of care what they thought of him. He's, He's on a mission. He's following the mission that God sent him to do. He's following his father and he's willing to risk his reputation. Religious people don't really like you, Jesus. Hmm. Let's have a, let's have a poll. Let's, let's have a forum. Let's, let's get a focus group and let's ask them this question. What can I do to make the religious people like me more? Oh, I know. Let's go to Samaria and let's talk to a woman. He was willing to risk his reputation. I don't want to sound harsh, but at some point, if we're on the move with God, we've got to stop caring about what other people think. It doesn't mean we need to be jerks. I know jerks. I don't want to be around them. But we can't be consumed with what will people think. Jesus was not. Galatians 1.10 says that are you trying to please God or are we trying to please man? If we're following Jesus, if we're pleasing Jesus, that's got to be more important than pleasing men. Following Jesus, following God means risking reputation. Here, here's the second thing that we see. I told you that he had to go through Samaria. Um, the truth of the matter is I used to read that and think, well, Jesus had to go through Samaria because he had a mission and he just had, you ever have to go like a pregnant woman that's got to go to the bathroom, right? And she's just like, 
I got to go, I got to go, I got to go. Or maybe like a, a five-year-old girl's like tugging on your daddy. I really got to go, I got to go. That's not what it was like. It wasn't like, I have to go, I've got to go. He had to go to Samaria because it was on the way. But here's what I learned. Jews in that day had actually created the Samarian bypass. Like you would go up and then they would go way out of their way to go around Samaria back to Galilee. So the, the religious people in that day, the Jews, because they thought Samaritans were so horrible and so bad, they felt they were unclean and cast off from society. They would go out of their way to get around Samaria. Jesus said, I'm going I'm to go through it. He had to go through it. He didn't avoid people and neither should we. God led Jesus through Samaria because there was a rejected woman who needed him in Samaria. Here's point number two. God moves us to places in order to get us to people. And I love that. He moves us to places in order to get us to people. Jesus had to go through Samaria, a place, so he could get to a well in Samaria where there was a woman, people, that he had to meet. When I read about this, this woman, it says that she had gone at the sixth hour to the well to get her water. Sixth hour is noon. It's 12. It's the heat of the day. So most women would go early in the morning because if you have to go get a bunch of water on your head and take it back, you're going to go when it's really early and cool or when it's really late and cool. She went in the middle of the day. Why? Because she was... She was the worst of the worst. She had a, ha a past and a history, and she wanted to avoid people. So she went when no one would find her. She went when she could go by herself. She did not go anticipating meeting anybody there. Jesus was right where he needed to be, right when he needed to be there. You've got to get this. We're not moving to a place. We're moving to people that we will meet in a place. This is what God does when he moves us. He moves us to places in order to get us to people. If you take your notes, jot this down. Here's what it means. It's going to sound really good. You're going to be like, man, that's so good. You're going to want to put it on Twitter. You're going to want to put it on, on Facebook. But then we have to live it, right? Okay, here it is. If this is true, and it is. This means that the people we meet on the way are never in the way. Amen. God, when's the last time you went shopping at Walmart and you're just like, God, I'm on a schedule. <laughs> like you're mapping it out in the car. If I go in and I go on the right-hand side and I go to the aisle three, I'll grab what I need there. I'll circle around the back and I'll go to the other side. I know I've got to go to like the electronics place because i got to always go there. And I'll swing through there. I'll get out. I'll go to the back cash register and I'll, I'll check out there because that's quickest. And I will see nobody. That's a successful trip to Walmart, isn't it? Get in, get your stuff, spend less than 20 bucks, see nobody. And then you run into somebody. You get to your next appointment, you're like, I'm so sorry, I'm 20 minutes late, but I was, I was at Walmart. And they're like, that's all I got to say, dude, I get it, right? Everybody knows, everybody knows. But we live, we live like people are a distraction. We live like they're in the way. And Jesus is like, no, no, the people you meet on the way are never in the way. They're a divine appointment. There's a reason that you're meeting them. 
He's taking you to places to get you to people. Got to get that, man. We got to get that. That'll revolutionize your job. It'll revolutionize the times that you meet clients. It will change everywhere you go and everybody you see. If we begin to believe that God is taking us to places in order to get us to people. It will change the way you spend time in line at the DMV. That's the greatest miracle of all. Um, So we're talking about people a lot. I don't know if you noticed that theme. Um, People keep coming up because people are God's mission. And he moves people to people. Right? He moves people to people. So Jesus was sent We know from Luke chapter 19, verse 10, he was sent to seek and to save the lost. And that's why he's going through Samaria. He's he's on a search and rescue mission. He's seeking a woman at a well to save her. Guess what happens when we meet people like that? When people get that, when when people meet Jesus and they're like, wait a second. Like, you're, you're talking to me? She can't get over this. You're talking, I'm a woman in Samaria. You're, you're asking me for water? She got number three. Check this out. I love this. God moves us past our past and gives us purpose. He, he moves us past our past and, and gives us purpose. Now, I'm skipping way down to a verse way towards the end of this story, okay? But I want you, if, if you've got your Bibles or on, if on your phone, whatever, just look at verse 28. After Jesus had, has had this whole conversation, by the way, um, she's the first woman that he ever, he's, she's the first person he revealed who he was to. First person. A woman at a well in Samaria. A, a rejected, unclean, lower than low, your dirt. That's who he revealed who he was to first. And when he had done that, she, it says in verse 28, Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come see a man who told me everything I've ever done. Could this be the Christ? Could this be the Messiah? What I think is interesting is that she went to get water and then she left the very thing she went to do in order to go back and tell her town about Jesus. Some of you have a past and and you are convinced that the rest of your life, your only hope is to do what you have to do in such a way that you can avoid people that no one will ever really know who you are. And so in the middle of the day when no one else is around, you try to get your job done. You try to make sure nobody ever interacts with you so, you, so people never know how, how bad you are. And Jesus meets a woman at a well and she leaves her very reason for being there to go back to the town and tell people about Jesus. When God is on the move and he moves people, he moves us past our past and to a purpose. This past week, I, I, I got a, a phone call and an email about a vision that somebody in our church had. Here was the vision. I don't know where you are on the scale of visions, you know, if they're weird or not, but I'm cool with it, right? As long as it's not weird stuff like the Tar Heels Anyway, let's just move on. (laughs) This was the vision. She said, on the outside of our church, she saw a red trash can because red is the blood of Christ. And she saw this, that there were people in our church that God is moving our church, but yet our church is, you can't quite move on until you've left things behind. 
And she saw a vision of people throwing things in that trash can that they've held on to for years. Pornography, addiction, family relationships that, that we accumulate in a place like this, right? Have you ever noticed that? The longer you live somewhere, the more you accumulate stuff, right? And it's like, then you move and you go, well, let's get a bigger house and let's rent another storage shed. It's like, wait, why don't we just get rid of this stuff and start over? And, and that's what I take from the vision, right? Now, we don't have a red trash can today. I'm sorry. We tried to find one. But this Saturday night, when we finish up in here and some of you come back, all of you can come back and we're kind of walking through, sweeping things up. We sing a last song and we walk out that door. If Amazon's my friend, there'll be a red trash can there, right? And, and we are going to give you the chance to write down, man, what do you need to leave behind? What baggage do you need to drop here? What do you not want to take with you? What water pot do you want to leave behind? Because Jesus has so consumed your life that he becomes your purpose. Write that thing down. Put it in the trash can. Let's burn that thing. I mean, God is not just moving our church physically from here to there. He's moving in his church. I mean, as I'm saying that vision to you, you're already thinking, oh, does he mean that? The answer is yes. Whatever that was, the answer is yes. To the person who told me about the vision, if I totally messed that up, I'm sorry. I tried. It's powerful. Here's the last thing, the fourth one. I, w- I want you to, to notice this. It's not specifically in the text, but I want, I want to make sure you see this. Jesus made a mess. Did you notice that? Like Jesus following the God, made he made a mess. Um, so here's your last point. Sometimes carrying the message creates the mess. Now, we, that's, that's backwards, right? Because we've been told this. We've been told, no, no, that's not true. Like, the message of the gospel fixes the mess, right? Isn't that what we've always believed? We've always believed, no, if, if, if Paul preaches good enough, then the world's going to be perfect. If Jesus is, if he reigns as Lord, then it's going to be perfect. But the truth of the matter is, the message creates the mess. I think somewhere in the gospel, Jesus says something like this. I have come to even turn fathers against sons. Now, he's not trying to make parents hate each other and hate their kids. He's just saying, like, what I'm doing is far more important than anything on this earth. I've come to give you something different to live for. And the truth of the matter is this. Listen, he walked through Samaria. Just, just let me just recap. What happened because Jesus carried a message to a person? This is what happened. It's all in Scripture. You ready? One, Jesus got tired. Servant leaders, you're on a volunteer team. Raise your hand. Put it up high. Quick, quick, quick. A lot of you came yesterday and helped us out. We appreciate that. Guess what happens when you take, when you carry the message and it creates, you get tired. Jesus got tired. He asked for water because he was tired. Right? A woman got called out, verse 17. Um, She got called out. Jesus was like, uh... You don't have a husband and you're living with a dude. You've had five husbands and you're living with a dude. You're shacking up. He called her out. If he had never carried that message, she never would have gotten called out. And then Jesus got called out by this woman and by his disciples. His disciples said something like this. "Uh, Jesus, she's a woman. 
What are you doing talking to a woman? In Samaria. You got called out. And then I love verse 41. Verse 41 says this. And because of his words, Jesus, many more became believers. In Samaria, Samaria, a ton of unclean people became believers. So let me make sure you're getting this, okay? Sometimes we carry the message and that creates the mess. There's this verse in Romans 10, 15. Do we have that? Can we throw it up here? Romans 10, 15 says this. How can anyone preach unless they are sent? Hey, listen, Cheney is in China today. Last Sunday, she's here and we're praying over here and today, over her. And today she's in China because you have sent her. How beautiful are the feet of Cheney who brings good news? How can anyone preach unless they're sent? And so we send her. And then, then people hear the good news. And I go, man, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news? If you were here last week, you saw Bridget bend down and pray over Cheney's feet. That's why, because it's her feet that are carrying the gospel. Guess what? Guess what you're going to do? Carry the gospel. You're going to carry a message that could create a mess. One of my favorite pictures in Scripture is, is before Jesus died, when he, he washed the feet of his disciples. Here's what he's saying. You're clean, but your feet are going to get messy because you're going to carry a message. And he, before he died, he... It's like they're invisible. I like to call them servant ninjas. He washed your feet because he's like, you're clean. <laughs> there they go again. And so he's taking care of making sure he's serving them and saying, I want to make sure this part of your body is clean because this is the beautiful part of your body, the part that's carrying the message. And so this morning, I, I can't think of a better way to end our time in this space than as, as leadership washing your feet because, because you're carrying a message. This is not about being a cool church. This is about a church that says, God's taking us to a place to get us to people. And you're going to get messy doing it. And you're going to get tired doing it. And so we're going to finish this morning washing your feet. I know what you're thinking right about now. Oh, God, I meant to clean them. But that would defeat the purpose, wouldn't it? It's like, can you imagine Peter when Jesus said he was going to wash, and Peter's like in the back, like spitting on his feet, <laughs> getting them, you know, trying to get them all cleaned up before Jesus cleans them? That's crazy, right? Now, this is what servanthood's all about. So let me explain to you how it's going to work, okay? In just a minute, uh, we've got some videos. They're just going to start playing them, some worship music and stuff and such. So you can just kind of, you can say where you are. We're not going to make lines, nothing like that. Because I'm not going to force you to do this, okay? I'm honored. We're honored to serve you in this way. What's going to happen is our elders are going to come and sit in these chairs. And I'm going to wash their feet. And then when I'm done washing their feet, Phil's going to wash my feet. 
And then when you're ready and there's an empty chair, we want you to come and sit in it and allow us to wash your feet. Now, it would help us a lot, because there's a lot of you here, if you can take your shoes and socks off at your chair. And then when you're ready, just come forward. There's no line. You just come forward. If you're here and you're like, dude, there's no way you're washing my feet. And I understand that reaction because that's exactly what Peter said to Jesus. I think Jesus followed up with, well, if I don't wash your feet, then I have no part of you. (laughs) Peter's reaction was, uh, start at my head and wash all of me, right? Um, I get it. It's awkward. I totally understand it. And we're not forcing you to do this, but it's our honor to serve you because we want to do this as we leave. Um, now, when that's, when that's done, you come forward, you get your feet washed, and you stand up. It won't take that long. We're going to ask you to come over here and sign this banner. Um, there's a bunch of colored markers over here. Just sign your name, you know, first, last name. Um, and, and it just says Ebenezer. If you look that scripture up, we'll talk more about this next week when we're in our new place. But Ebenezer simply means this. Thus far, the Lord has led me. To this point, the Lord has led me. To this place, the Lord has led me. And we just want you to sign that, okay? So that we can hang that in our new space someday. That'd be awesome. All right? Okay, does that make sense? Is everybody sufficiently freaked out? Good. All right, so I'm going to ask our elders just to come on and grab a seat.